Hello and welcome to the cocktail hour. This is Darren and sitting across from me as always is Julie. Hi everybody. Hope everybody's doing okay and you've enjoyed the last uh, last of the podcasts that we've we've done. And we've been talking about it for a long time and uh, we're finally getting around to doing it. And uh, one of the things that we've promised our listener uh, <laughs> is that we were going to discuss what it means to be an ally. Not just how it pertains to the uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Um, because we have also discussed that the LGBTQ community and women, uh, as a fact, are, are having, uh, having problems. So uh, it, it's going to pertain to everybody in how to be an ally for different groups, different communities. Um, there is one uh, particular group that I belong to, that, it, that our particular one, we need to have it pertain for every single uh, other community and group that's out there. Um, so we have, we do have some, what? Go ahead. You're good. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that that confused look on your face wasn't because I said uh, something wasn't completely outrageous. Sure what you're referring to. White men. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. White men seem to be having a particular problem in, uh, in society today, uh, getting with the fucking program. But, uh, you know, anyway, this is the cocktail hour and, uh, I am probably, uh, I don't know if I'm the only one drinking alcohol. Did you put anything in your coffee? Nope. No? So Julie over there looks like she's drinking black coffee. I'm having a beer. Um, and uh, we do have a guest joining us today, somebody that we've got online in order to interview, and his name is Matt. Matt, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing great. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with what you're drinking. <laughs> I am drinking Mike's Harder Blood Orange. Okay. Okay. Blood orange, yeah, yeah. hard cider. Yeah. All right. So what's your background? Where you, where do you live and, and all that good stuff? Um, I currently live in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh -huh. I've been here for 25 yeah. years. It's been a while. Uh, a while. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Altoona, Iowa. Um, I'm 51 years old, and queer is a $3 bill. <laughs> so, so a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is going to be how, the, how to be an ally uh, is going to pertain in many ways to the LGBTQ community. Um, but uh, one of the things uh, about Matt, and I had never asked uh, uh, to let everybody, all of our listeners know, we've, we've known Matt for a long time uh we all went to school together and yeah mo longer than any of us would care to admit um it's never mattered to any of us uh well one of the things that you know we all knew matt was gay before he did and <laughs> but um it never mattered to us you know anybody's background we were all theater kids we all hung out together we all had a had a lot of fun with each other and uh, I'd always noticed that Matt had a uh, very olive complexion and had assumed that, there, that Matt was a person of color. It turns out he's not. He's uh, 
uh, what is it? You're European, Russian? European and Russian. European and Russian, but your olive-colored skin, that exotic olive skin that you have, has led to some problems, uh, I understand. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So on, tell us a little bit more about that. On more than one occasion, I have been called um, Hispanic racial slurs. Okay. And um, I can see where you, you look Hispanic. I never would use those slurs myself. But, uh, yeah, I can totally see where uh, somebody might think that you have a Hispanic descent. Yeah, one night – this is absolutely ridiculous. One night I was in the parking lot at Taco Bell. That's a little and, too on the nose. Yeah, well. <laughs> and this guy looked like he was in line for the drive through but he was like four or five cars back from the person in front of him. And so I kind of waited to see if he was going to pull up and the cars in line pulled up twice and he didn't move. So I went ahead and pulled in. All of a sudden he's jumping out of his car and banging on my window. You fucking spick. What the hell? Wow. Get out of, what are you doing? Cutting my rah, 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 rah. Wow. I just stared straight forward, hands on the steering wheel. Didn't say a word. Hmm. So I can't even imagine then what it's like for somebody who is uh, actually a person of color when somebody who's technically not gets mistaken for one and, you know, is called all sorts of names. And uh, yeah, that's, that's out there. <clears throat> Julie can't with this kind of stuff. It I just, just, I, really can't. <laughs> I, just I can't. It's so against every ounce of my own humanity that I just, I just can't. So with that, though, you, you have an understanding of, of what the Latino community would probably uh, uh, need in terms of, of being an ally. And, and that's going to, to go the same for um, the black community and the LGBTQ community and, and women. Um, what would you like to see in terms of, of change in our society uh, you know, that's a feasible way for, for people to help um with that mainly i guess not necessarily the word that would help but not hindering the biggest thing and i've heard this for the past couple of years if you see something say something mm -hmm. it's that's that's the the foundation of all of it is if you see somebody doing something wrong, say something. Don't just, well, they should know better. Well, obviously they don't. So. I think one of, one of the big issues is uh, people, well, there's two main issues that, that come to mind for me, uh, not the least of which is people who it's, want to believe it's none of their business. Yeah, this that person needs to learn to stick up for themselves or whatever it is, you know, and, and you know, that goes for spousal abuse. You know, you, you hear about that all the time where you'll hear through an apartment, somebody yelling at their spouse and oh, it's none of my business. But I think probably one of the biggest things that people face is is fear. You know, they don't want to get involved, mainly because they don't have the courage to step up and say something and you do you got to dig deep inside yourself i think to to step up and say hey that's you know it's still not okay to do stuff like that yep for sure 
Well, I mean, it's all like, like that's, we learned that kind of stuff on the playground when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. If, if, you, if you saw somebody doing something, if you saw a bully going after a kid, it was, in some places, it was expected that you say something. Mm -hmm. In other places, it was considered tattling. So you got this negative connotation over intervening on what appeared to be, honestly, an injustice of mm -hmm. some sort. And I, I mean, I know just from my personal experience as a child, intervening on my brother's behalf so many times um, to be met with either one of those scenarios, like it, it plays out in real life today with completely different subject matters, mm -hmm. specifically as it relates to um, black and indigenous people of color and the LGBTQ community because, you know, I got irate at a meeting I was on, a conference call meeting I was on on Friday because this woman insisted on pronouncing uh, this other woman um, from India would just would not pronounce her name correctly. Wouldn't do it. And to me, that's no different than using pronouns um, it's, that is a form of respect. If you're going to call somebody by their name, pronounce it correctly or don't. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and I, so much so that I went to our diversity, equity, and inclusion team and I sent an email and said, Hey, we need to figure out a way how to weave this part into our initiatives of part of, of fostering that diverse and equitable and inclusive environment is learning how to pronounce people's names the way they want them to be pronounced. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science, people. But to your point, too, that we got, uh, we did. We all got mixed messages as kids. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where sometimes you're expected to stand up and sometimes you're not. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you know, when all the smoke's clear and the bodies are counted, it is up to everyone to stand up for, and not even necessarily somebody that you perceive to be uh, weaker than you. But, you know, you don't, somebody doesn't have to be weaker to you to be getting ganged up on. And, uh, you know, everybody's weaker than an entire gang of people that are, that are ganging up on them. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, and again, you have to really dig deep to find that courage and step up and say something. And, uh, you know, how is the, uh, how is the Omaha uh, area in, for uh, the LGBTQ community? I've, it's pretty progressive from what I understand, but I know it still has its issues. Omaha is a lot better than pretty much the rest of the state. Yeah. Right. But it's, there's still plenty of issues. We still have people who harass us outside the bars downtown. We still have people who run their mouths and say, we, we should all be sent somewhere else. Like, well, that's, you're gonna find. Oh, they should put all the gays on our island. They did. It's called Manhattan. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, most of your your high density city centers, and it it stems from uh, communicating with and being, um, you know, you you're around a diverse group of people in a in a large city center and i think that's where inclusiveness in your city centers kind of comes from but the unfortunate thing is it does limit people of color 
immigrants, LGBTQ community, uh, to the places that, that they feel welcome to live. I mean, a lot of folks just don't feel comfortable in rural areas. And you'll have those folks in rural areas, particularly when it comes to immigration, you know, screaming that they have to assimilate, they have to assimilate. And it's like, well, you know, what's your reaction going to be when they move next door? Even in right. suburban areas, not even necessarily rural areas, but even just suburban areas, right. there are places where there's a woman who lives across the street from me. She's a very dear, sweet woman. But when the first election involving Barack Obama, she actually said to me, you would let one of those people oh, in the White House? God. Yep. Like, um, this is the 21st century. They can pretty much be wherever they want to be, wherever exactly. they can justify themselves being, and they shouldn't have to justify it, mm -hmm. but they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, uh, and you still, and you still hear it. A lot of, a lot of folks can't let it go. And, um, you know, and then they see, they see this current administration as a thumb in the eye of everybody that uh, uh, had voted for Barack Obama or, or had the audacity to think that, you know, we should be hopeful and, and expect any kind of change to occur in this country. And I, if they're not saying that, what are they saying? I, it's hard to, hard to fathom, you know, what, where they're coming from uh, in terms of that, if it isn't just pure racism, misogyny, you know, and uh, homophobia. Yeah, I think we can agree that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. They're just, oh, not, yeah. they just, you know, it's not going to well, get renamed that except by those of us that are aware. That see it, yeah, that yeah. can that can actually yeah. visualize it. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's definitely something that um, everybody needs to take a look at, you know, deep within themselves and, and ask, you know, why do you feel that way? I know there's a whole slew of people out there that believe that the, uh, uh, particularly when, when it pertains to the LGBTQ community, I don't know how they would try and swing the argument with the black or Latino community, but um, the thought that, that it's a choice, it's some kind of a lifestyle choice. And um, I've always thought that it was a, an un, um, unde indefensible um, position when somebody points out, you know, because you'll ask them, well, that's, are you, are you homosexual? You know, well, absolutely not. I'm like, okay, so you couldn't choose to become sexually attracted to another person. It's, it's not a choice. And, you know, and that seems to me an indefensible argument, but it, it still keeps being made. Here's, here's my deal on that whole thing. Okay. What person wakes up one day and says, I don't have enough pain, ridicule, and derision in my life. I need to be gay so people can abuse me more. Mm -hmm. Nobody yeah. wakes up and says that. Not exactly a, uh, something you would choose to have a bunch of rednecks come, you know, with their waffle stompers and, and uh, beat you or shoot up your club or whatever it is that's happened in our, our very recent past, if not present. Oh yeah, as it is, it's still happening. And anybody who claims they they can't see it or that, oh yeah, they are everybody's finally equal. No, no, we got a long way to go, pal. And I think, yeah, I feel like, and you know, just it's only my perspective. Again, from a place of privilege, 
I feel like we're digressing tremendously um, because the conversation. I think the fact that we're still having the conversation. Yeah, exactly. The fact that we're still having the conversation is, in my view, reprehensible. But you know, the the with everything that's been going on um, with current administration, and then you know the rapid fire succession of all these horrible tragedies with people of color right leading into Pride Month. <laughs> um, you know, if there wasn't enough diversity staring us straight in the face to begin with, this really was like the, you know, the neon sign saying, we're here. What are you guys going to do about it? And I saw, here's the thing. It troubles me that white people, I, I don't care if you're a white woman or a white man, it troubles me that white people or straight people think they're actually losing something when they acknowledge a person of color or an LGBTQ person as an equal. Yeah, giving, giving you your rights means they got to take away one of mine. And, you know, no, that's just not true. Exactly. It's a ridiculous stance to take, but yeah, they take it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. It's it just, and, you know, you said it, said it earlier, Matt, and it, it's, it's about bias and assumptions, right? We have this idea in our head that because you have this luxurious olive skin and really dark hair, oh, you must be Hispanic or, oh, you, maybe you're half black, whatever it is, right? You couldn't possibly be of European and Russian descent, right? Oh, no. Like, no. So it's an assumption that gets made. And then people in the drive-thru at Taco Bell behave accordingly, and they couldn't be more wrong. Um, and so that's part of, you know, kind of my, where I'm at now and the things that I'm trying to do within my own circle is call those out, is mm -hmm. call out the biases and assumptions that get made. And rather than doing that, changing it to become curious, right? In all the years I had known you, and when, in all the years I have known you, I don't ever remember us actually having an open conversation about what is your ethnicity? And I feel like when you said Russian, I'm like, oh, we visited this topic before. And maybe we hadn't, but so part of that is, I never had the courage to ask. I never felt comfortable asking. Now it is, it is critical that I ask you, in my view. Like that is, it is, it, is, it is that important, it is that relevant to just know and be comfortable with my own existence and my own, like I am 97% English, right? With a, and not only that, <laughs> with a name like Ireland, you'd think I'd be Irish? Nope, my, my sister's more Irish than me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she has a different dad but yeah, i was just thinking about that you're, yeah. you're so white your last name's ireland and yeah. i'm so white my last name's white so yeah. it's <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's you know but people similarly although not as you know it doesn't have the same impact right people assume with a name like ireland the first question out of their mouth oh, is irish. are you irish no actually i'm not and they're stunned by that mm-hmm but my point being is that these need to become the comfortable part of conversations that we have now, 
because they are an extremely relevant part of who we are and as an American society. I'm sorry. I will go to my grave. I'm not sorry. <laughs> and I will go to my grave <laughs> preaching that America is not white. Mm -hmm. No. It, it never, it wasn't to begin with. And that, and that finding these things out, whether it be the ethnicity of the people that you work with, hang out with, know on the street, what their religion is, whether they're LGBTQ, you know, what the whole scoop is. It's, it's, it can't be, and it's not, I know it's not with you. I'm not suggesting that in the least. It's not about judgment. It's about curiosity in the same way that somebody's going to ask me, Hey, so where's your ancestors from? Mm -hmm. You know, I know going in that they're sure as shit not asking me so that they can hold it against me and try and take away my, my freedoms and my, uh, my rights. They're just asking me because they're curious. Mm -hmm. You ask somebody else who may have an ethnic background or be LGBTQ and it's going, it's, well, it's already to the point, you know, you probably already have some uh, um, suspicions when somebody's sniffing around who you are personally. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Matt, you mentioned, um, <coughs> you know, not to make assumptions and to, um, when you see something, say something. Um, is there anything else that kind of sticks out to you in your life experience that you would kind of encourage us to look at differently or more from your perspective? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, at this point, you know, I've, I've been fired from jobs simply because of who my boyfriend was at the time or who my girlfriend was at the time. Because mm -hmm. you had a boyfriend and now you've got a girlfriend. Um, no, you need to leave. It's like, uh, okay, see ya. I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. And I, th I think there's a tough scenario there for folks who do want to be an ally uh, because we don't have access to that conversation. That conversation is going to be happening with uh, whomever it is that you work for or with and yourself. And it's going to be, you know, I, at the very least in a closed office building, um, but maybe even just the two of you. So how do we change those attitudes of people that we don't necessarily are there to communicate with? I have a thought. Okay. So, um, yes, those conversations happen behind closed doors. And I think anyone with a brain in their head sees the biases playing out and the discrimination playing out yes. in the workplace before those conversations happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is when... I had a similar situation with a, with a former coworker who was totally fired because he was gay, completely fired because he was gay and he had successfully hidden it from his employer for about six years. And when they found out they fired him, um, in those instances, for those of us that are aware, and there are plenty of us that are aware, there's just a lot of us that don't say anything. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you pick up the phone and you call HR and you give specific examples of, 
I saw this happen. I saw that happen. I saw this happen. I heard this said in a meeting. I heard this said after a meeting, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and start naming that. Um, and tell the person on your, on your ethics line, I believe this person was just fired because of this. Right. That's saying something. That's taking a stand well, that says... I, unfortunately, yes, those things need to happen, but unfortunately, there are still a lot of states where it doesn't matter. They can do that. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. bring that I, up. Yeah, I'm I glad you did. Will. Yeah, and it's... There's still a point where if enough people are corroborating stories, it can still prompt an investigation. It may not get you your job back, but it's going to shine a light on the guy who fired you because of his oh, behavior. For sure. And it may continue out. the conversation. And yeah, and that's, right. I think on, on top of that, it's, it's like, it's not just that HR person, you know, cause you might be winding up talking to an ally of the person who fired the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that person. And um, so it needs to be followed up with a call to the both local, state, and federal representatives, as well as the media. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, try and get everybody involved in something like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't, it's, it's difficult. Because right now, well, like you said earlier, Julie, that we've, we've somewhat regressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember there was, during a period of time, uh, after 9-11 and through uh, President Obama, Mm -hmm. it was really only okay to bash Muslims and atheists. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now we're back to a point where, you know, everybody's bashing everybody. And we have a cheerleader sitting in the White House that absolutely appears to just love the fucking chaos. Oh, sure. And... <laughs> were you hissing? Yeah. Yes, Matt was, Matt was hissing. <laughs> That's right. Everybody, yeah. everybody will think I was dragging off of my, uh, yeah. <laughs> my vaporizer. <laughs> Oh no, that was all me. Matt, do you, so do you, I mean, do you see that kind of playing out in your life right now that for a while it felt really even keeled and everything was great and then we get the current administration and. Oh, definitely. I mean, cause Sean and I had been together for 20 years when the Oberfeld decision came down and we immediately got married. Yeah. Um, because that decision had been made, mm -hmm. but n living in the country that we do, those decisions are not set in stone. Right. Yeah, they have to be ratified. Yeah. Yeah. And that is evidenced by the fact that when the current administration took power, mm -hmm. the executive orders rescinding trans protections mm -hmm. were flying out left and right yep. and as much as they could get away with the general lgbtq yep. protections going away they did as much as they can that's mm -hmm. our vice president thinks i should go to a camp so that they can change me straight is great mm -hmm. straight is great camp <laughs> <laughs> yep pray the gay away that's what uh, a lot of them believe. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they think that way. I mean, I do. It's they, they misread their, uh, their Bibles, you know, and which we could, that we could do a whole show on that, but you yeah. could do a whole series of show on. That. Yeah. Yeah. We totally <laughs> yeah. could. But yeah. So, so the big points that I think that we're, we're getting from you today, Matt, 
is uh, in order to be a good ally, and I, it's again this this goes across the board, folks. It's not uh, uh, not just for Black Lives Matter, not just for the uh, LGBTQ community, not just for somebody that you suspect of being an immigrant, um, you know, or of of being a nationality that they're not, or or women. Um, See something, say something, speak up, find that courage and don't let someone else, you know, blame it, it, you might pay for it, but it's the right thing to do. As uh, the late, great John Lewis said, mm. it's, that's good trouble. Mm. That's good trouble. And, uh, you know, if you, if, if you have the courage uh, to fight for what's right, that may come up as well. And uh, that actually happened in Portland where some, uh, some guy was hurt. And this was years ago already. It has nothing to do with the current, uh, the current issues that are happening in Portland, but it would happen on a train on one of the trains there um, where a young Muslim woman was uh, just being berated uh, by a man on the train. Well, mm -hmm. three guys stepped up to defend her. Uh, two of them were killed and the other one was severely injured when the guy turned around and came at him with a knife. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you got to find the courage to say something, be prepared for anything because somebody who's willing to stand there in public and berate somebody just for the color of their skin, just for their religion, just for being LGBTQ is probably already a little bit unstable. Uh, yeah. So you have to be prepared for what they might do. Yeah. Well, be careful with that one. All right. No reason why I say that is it goes back to that concept of fear and the reason why people don't say something is because they're afraid of something exactly. like that. There are plenty of instances and examples where people have said something and they have challenged a behavior that they've seen and the outcome has not been violence or death. And that's the majority of the time. I mean, you yes. know, and that's uh, the message that most of us have also gotten since we were, we were young is yeah. like you stand up to a bully and they tend to back down. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's not easy to do, especially if you're the one being berated. Oh, for sure. True. Mm -hmm. Not easy to do at all. So, Matt, I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with, you know, your share of trouble. Um, what, how do you typically respond? I think for me, trying to get them to understand why they're saying what they're saying. Mm -hmm. You GD F, mm -hmm. but why? What difference does it make to you? What, how does this affect your life right. that you feel you need to berate and belittle me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no reason you should berate or belittle anyone yep. with the possible exception of extreme stupidity, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, sure. Again, again, in a whole series of episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we'll sure. revisit. Um, but it just, like I said, to try to get them to see there's no real basis for what they're saying. Mm -hmm. There's no real basis for those feelings. It's something that 
98% of the time, it's something they've been taught. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not even a personal experience that they've had with somebody. Right. You know, I've had people who, okay, here's, 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 here's a good example for you. Um, my husband works in the vacation industry. Mm-hmm. And at one time he was working on their complaint line. Mm-hmm. And a woman who, I don't rem- remember which Caribbean island it is, but she wanted their entire stay comped because when they went to the beach, her children from New York City saw black people. Wow. And she wanted her whole vacation comped because of that. Yeah, because of that. And the thing is, the island they were on, there are no private beaches. Mm -hmm. All of the beaches are public. You have to walk across the street from the hotel to the beach. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's freaking out. It's like, okay, number one, how have your children never, ever seen black people in, in New, New York, York City? City? Yeah. Number two, why would you limit your children like that? It's absolutely ridiculous. It goes back to your point, Matt, of, you know, what, at what basis are you making these assumptions about the people that your children are being forced to interact with in a place where the indigenous people are primarily of color? And, uh, you know, and I don't know if these were uh, locals that the, her kids were being exposed to or if they just happened to be some African-Americans who were there on. But it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter. You know, it's yeah. uh, uh, there's going to be people. Right. Of all races, yes. ethnicities, yep. you know, sexual orientations, yep. you name it, we got it. <laughs> it's, there's nothing anybody can do about it. And all of your assumptions about them are based in utter bullshit. Pretty much. For sure. Yeah. You know, we've known you forever and nothing about who you are. Well, actually, everything about who you are makes me feel the way I do about you. And uh, you've always been a wonderful friend and you've been an active participant in my life. And it's, it's never even mattered to me that you're part of the LGBTQ community. And it never mattered to me enough to even really think about it until today when we were getting ready to discuss what it is to be an ally that you may or may not have some ethnic background that, that isn't white. Yeah. But thinking back on it, I've always, you know, he's got that olive skin is there's, I don't know if he's Mediterranean, if he's Italian, if he's got, you know, I don't know where that comes in with Russian, but it's uh, (laughs) somehow or other, you got the melanin jackpot. You're right there in that sweet spot, baby. (laughs) Russian. So jealous. So jealous. This is as tan as it gets. And mine's I don't think I can get that been. white anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the dead of winter, I'm darker than that. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, yes. that yes. was the point. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that's kind of the point. So, but yeah, no, it's it shouldn't. It it's the last thing that occurs to me. 
you know, yeah. do you see when somebody walks up that they're of a different ethnicity, you might not be able to tell that they're of a different sexual orientation uh, right off the bat, which speaks to something you were going to want to talk about uh, a little bit earlier. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it shouldn't, I, an African-American I heard recently say is like, we, we will know that we've made progress when there isn't already an intrinsic negative feeling when a person of color is approaching somebody uh, uh, who is white. And, uh, you know. And that just never makes sense to me. Right. Because I've never done that. Right. I had my two friends, Gino and Jerry. Yeah. When we were growing up. Yeah. Their dad was white. Their mom was black. Mm -hmm. Didn't bother me. Didn't, didn't change my opinion about them in any way, shape, or form. Okay. They were my friends. We went to the pool every day. We rode our bikes all over town. Mm -hmm. We ran around and played on the playground. And, yeah. you know, and never once did it occur to me that they were significantly different until the adults around me started pointing out that those are the little black kids. What was the phrase of the boomers? You are who you keep company with. And that was supposed to be a catch-all for uh, every time you, there was a group of kids that you shouldn't be hanging around with, wink, wink. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. It still is, you know, I'm, that, that stuff is still happening today, every day. And um, they had a, uh, Gino and Jerry have a sister yep. uh, as well, um, mm -hmm. who was a grade below me. Mm -hmm. And I've never told anybody this, and I'm about ready to put it out there on uh, uh, the entirety of the, uh, the inner toilet. But uh, we were on the playground, and I was in sixth grade, she was in fifth. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I really didn't know anything other than the fact that it pertained to black people. I didn't understand the connotation. I didn't understand that it was negative, but I called her the N-word on the playground when I was in sixth grade. And I remember seeing the hurt in her eyes uh, when I said that. And I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't realize the impact uh, that something like that would have on somebody. And even as a sixth grader, I didn't probably understand the impact that it did have. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's, it's something that uh, um, obviously now, you know, you wish had never happened. Um, and it probably, uh, it, it shouldn't have happened at the time if somebody had done a better job of explaining to me as a small child uh, exactly the, what that would mean to somebody if you said it to a person of color. Um, yeah, one of my big regrets in life, I've never had an opportunity to, uh, to see her and I, cause there's no way in my, in hell that it hasn't stuck with her. Um, she'll always remember that kid calling her that on the playground. You remember and, uh, every, you remember every time somebody mm -hmm. says and, something. Uh, like that. And that, you know, it may have been, well, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, the, yeah. the time and the place. Altoona is much more diverse than it was oh, uh, yeah. in 1982. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I said that and I immediately realized by looking at her face that that had a hell of a lot more meaning than I even realized. Mm -hmm. And I don't even recall the, uh, uh, the circumstances surrounding it coming up. Mm -hmm. 
and uh and like that i don't we weren't in a fight we weren't in an argument i just i called her that and mm-hmm. i saw the hurt in her face and yeah so you're still in contact with gino and jerry um i haven't talked to him recently but occasionally yeah yeah that's good it's something i probably should uh uh, get around to tracking her down and and telling her how much I regret having having said that, and that I didn't know what it meant at the time. And that's that's at this point is no excuse. Children should be being taught that it's never okay under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it just it still goes back to how we're educated, mm-hmm. like in the way we were all brought up with few exceptions that just like stuff like that didn't matter. It just, or maybe not that it didn't matter. It just didn't occur to us. Right. Like, yeah, like it just didn't occur to us. Um, and to get exposed to the flip side of that, where it very clearly matters to other people. I mean, I, I remember being in college and, um, was dating a black man. And one of my college classmates asked me, what's it like to kiss a black man? (laughs) And I just remember thinking, you're an idiot. And I looked right at her and said, really not any different than kissing anybody else. People are people. Mm -hmm. And she just was completely she was convinced that it had to be different. And I'm like, if you close your eyes and kiss someone, how in the hell are you going to know what color their skin is? (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Why does it even matter? Like, why does it matter? Why is that a thing? I just, I was so, I mean, by then I was 19 or 20 years old. It was not the first person of color I had dated. And I was like, I was just stunned that I was even being asked the question at the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, 2021 when that happened. And I just, what? Yeah, it floors you when, what? and, you know, and that was, you know, we're going on, yep. that would have been back in the uh, early 90s. Yep, early 90s, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, and that we're still mm-hmm. oh, here today. I'm dating a man of color now. And, I mean, we're not young. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm 50. He's older than me. Uh, and we get, oh my gosh, we get looks, we get comments made under the breath. It's, it's pretty. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's really been, what's really eye opening sometimes is when you are around other, uh, just other, another white person. And they automatically make the assumption that you're going to be okay with whatever shit comes out right? of their face. Yes. And, uh, you yep. know, one of them recently, whom I was driving home from an appointment, mm-hmm. uh, made, an, made a comment um, because I happened to be, happened to see him talking to an African-American in the lobby of where I was picking him up. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, who also happened to, well, I won't, won't go into all of the, uh, the, all of that. But I asked, you know, oh, where do you know? Because I knew him from a place. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've known each other for for some time. And, and I couldn't believe it when it was coming out of his face. He's like, he's one of the he's a good one of those. 
And it's, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it as he said it. And I, I hear that all the time from people. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, it's, like it's totally okay. Yeah, like it's totally okay. Yeah. And, or that it means anything. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that that should mean something to me that he sees another African American as a, one of the good ones. Right. And I don't know. I don't know, is it too much TV? Is it too much news? Do they just see all this? Sure it is. You know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look how they portray people of color or, frankly, LGBTQ people in TV shows. Yeah. They're not portrayed as... 95% of the time, we're the, the comedy. We're the, we're the butt of the joke. Right. Yep. Yeah. Or the ultimately weird sick one, right? If you like crime shows. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the deviants, if you will. When the truth is, is that... And that's the subtle stuff, you know. Oh, When, you know, yes. and then it's, it's not even necessarily, yeah. it's, it's written kind of subtly. Yep. To, and that's how I think a lot of that stuff gets ingrained in people's brains is, sure is through the, the subtlety of, of portrayal. Yeah. And... Yeah. It's... Well, and we normalize things by the use of our language. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, it's totally acceptable to say, oh, he's one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. He's one of the good black people. Okay. Yeah. No. Or... He's either one of the good people or one of the bad people. He's not right. one of, not a good one of those people. Those people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's, exactly. it goes back to the whole thing where, uh, you know, until you don't intrinsically have negative feelings, mm -hmm. negative connotations mm -hmm. associated, which again, rarely, if ever, come from your actual experiences with somebody from that community. Um, until those feelings become positive mm -hmm. when you see somebody, um, yeah, it's well, we're just gonna keep fighting these fights. I and think that's part of it, but I also think the other part of it is exactly what Matt said. Mm -hmm. It is we still identify other mm -hmm. in that scenario. People still identify if you're different than me, you're other. Right. And the truth is, is I'm sorry when you I'm, again, I'm not sorry. When you peel away all the outward shit, our blood's the same, our organs are the same, mm -hmm. and to a certain degree, our freaking DNA is the same. And I think as an end result is where that the person that yeah. I heard that from was was going for sure. it's you know it's uh the intrinsic feelings of them being other, other. and invading you know yeah. your right like somehow well, I'm losing yeah somehow, somehow I somehow yeah. I'm gonna lose something when I start welcoming diversity in my life and the truth is I mean speaking personally is my life has been been enriched by the diverse people that I have those, to be in relationship those with. Those people have been some of the most creative, most inspiring people that I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And for those of you who couldn't see, uh, Matt, who is also a Gen Xer, did the air quotes around those people <laughs> for that. So he wasn't... <laughs> So you know that he meant it sarcastically if you couldn't tell in his voice. Some people can't pick up on that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. But, um, but tell us what you think. Those of us, uh, those of you who are listening, uh, give us an email at thecocktailhour at yahoo.com or join us on Facebook at The Cocktail Hour. We have both a group and a page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We still haven't, uh, haven't heard from a whole lot of people. That is to say, uh, you know, I think Yahoo sent us some advertisements on our, on our Yahoo uh, email, but um, we do want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Um, Matt, is there anything else that you would like to share with us or with our listener (laughs) (laughs) that you think is important for us to take away today? Like I said, the biggest, the most important thing and really the basis for everything is if you see something that you don't feel is appropriate, you need to say something. You need whether it's at work and you go to your ethics people or whether it's on the street and you say, Hey, you're not acting right. Mm -hmm. You need to stop and consider what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing because that's the thing that's the hardest is to actually say something because you can see it and you can say, Oh, that's wrong. And you can write, posts about it later on Facebook. Yeah. But is that going to change the situation? Mm -hmm. No. If we want to move our country forward, if we want to improve things, then you have to do something about it. You can't, you can't just sit back and talk about it all the time. Whether it's simply who you vote for, or whether it's I'm going to stand up to this bully, or I'm going to write opinion pieces about this awful politician. Mm-hmm. You have to do something about it. An ally who does nothing is nice to have, but in the greater scheme of things, nobody's moving forward because all you do is say you're an ally. Yeah. Right. And I, I would challenge that by saying an ally who does nothing is not an ally. For sure. Um, the whole point of being an ally is to come alongside and help. Well, and there's also, you know, Kitas at consenter of a day tour, you know, he who is silent is consenting. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not speaking up, you're giving tacit permission to this person yep. to continue behaving in the way that they're that they're behaving when it's yep. even maybe in the, your mind it's completely completely unacceptable mm-hmm. but you're well, sitting right there and letting it happen yep. you know you look at history and one of the big things they came for the jews and i didn't say anything they the came Reverend for Nemo. the gays i didn't say anything and when they came for me, there was no one to say anything. Yep, no one was left. So again, you have to back up your words and your beliefs with actions. And don't think for a second, because you have a lot of people who find it ludicrous uh, to make any kind of comparisons um, to things that may have happened in the past. And in the meantime, you got historians that are saying, you know, please pick up a history book before you make any important decisions and, you know, have a look and see if anybody's ever tried that before mm-hmm. and how it worked out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but yeah, 
it can happen here. It can happen here easily. It's extremely easy for an, a very large group of people to suddenly have their switch flipped and be absolutely okay with, you know, just absolute horrifying things. I think we're kind of walking. And we're walking that walking path. Line yep. Yep. Right now. Two things that uh, folks should check out uh, on top of uh, Reverend Niemöller's uh, um, poem um, from uh, from World War II, uh, but also check out the uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment and check out the um, uh, oh what was the uh, uh, who was the other guy started with an M. All of a sudden, I can't think of it. He's the one that had people just coming in off the street and they were shocking people to get. Uh, answer that they were looking for that the scientist the guy with the lab coat and the deal was a uh, milgram stanley milgram oh, yeah, you had the milgram stanford experiment. prison experiment and you had the stanley milgram experiment mm -hmm. and uh he, both of those discovered that as long as you think somebody else is taking responsibility people are capable of absolute inhumane acts against their fellow human beings mm -hmm. without even thinking about it and we'll go right to the I was just following orders argument mm -hmm. immediately to it. Yeah. It yeah. can happen here. It does. Frankly, it, it has happened. It has happened here and it continues to happen here. Yep. Uh, it's on a small scale, but they're working on that. Is it? How about all? Well, I mean, there it's Ooh. it depends on how you look at it. We so far we're not seeing millions of people being marched away all at the same time. No, but and uh seeing on a small scale yeah oh it's happening yeah it just out. isn't yeah. it's it could very easily get out of hand yeah. now we don't want that to happen no thank you nope, nope. so hey matt thank you so much yes thank you for being, joining us thank us you for today. having me yeah i hope that we're able to do it again because i feel like there's a lot more to this conversation to have and things for us to talk about um but I just, I, I really do. I want to say thanks. And um, first of all, just for being you and for being our friend um, and for being willing to have the conversation. It's always fun to get to, to be in your presence, even if it is over Zoom. Yeah. And I know it's not necessarily <laughs> a fun conversation, but it's, it's a conversation that needs to, to happen. Yeah, for and sure. um, so if we're, uh, we will probably continue with this. And uh, have you on another time, perhaps, uh, perhaps with your husband, Sean. And uh, I echo Julie's sentiments. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, happy drinking. Happy drinking. Happy drinking.